Boyd's Noise, the best source for prep information in the region. Are you ready for Boyd's Noise? Bring the noise! It's Boyd's Noise here on Iron Skillet Radio, Iron Skillet Television. I'm your host, Gregory B. Lewis, and we're in the building with none other than himself, James Boyd. Listen, we've got a lot to talk about, and everything is really moving fast, but first, let me ask you, James, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Uh, today's an off day for me. i got a couple PTO days to burn. So I'm trying to, you know, spread them out and pick them wisely. Obviously, can't take off Fridays because that's football days, but glad to be off today, and obviously glad to be here talking to you all. Yes, it is amazing thing to have you here but let's get into the news of the day the biggest breaking news in the region is that michigan city suspends its football program due to positive covid19 testing so the schools are retooling their schedules boy what is it looking like right now what's going on james how is this working and what's happening yeah so the big news uh is that obviously like you said michigan city shut down for two weeks because of a positive covid19 test one of its coaches and um normally you would think that you know maybe a couple of players or coaches are quarantined, but they're shutting down the varsity, JV, and freshman programs. Um, because this person, never, they never uh, disclosed who it was exactly, but I have to imagine it's somebody who has a, a pretty big stake in the program just because you're shutting down everyone. Um, I don't blame them. It's, it's a safety move. It's, it's the best move for now. Um, but because of that, Michigan City was supposed to play Valparaiso this Friday. It's, to my knowledge, as of today, the 10th, which is uh, one day uh, week four starts, um, I believe that, you know, Valpo hasn't been able to find a, a replacement game. And then um, in week five, uh, Michigan City was supposed to play Mar- Maryville, and right now Maryville is trying to find a replacement game as well. So it's kind of put those two schools in limbo. Um, as for Chesterton, who played Michigan City last week, they're going to keep going forward with their schedule. They're going to play Laporte um, this Friday. So I'm interested to see how that goes and if any players will be out because of quarantine. They, they didn't disclose that to me. But, um, yeah, it's just a reminder that we're, we are still in a pandemic. And for as good as things went those first three weeks, it's not surprising to see that a school has uh, kind of had hiccup here. Yeah, it is a shocking news and it's breaking news. And those who are just joining and listening to Boyd's Noise is that Michigan City has now shut down its football program for the next two weeks at least or 14 days to see what is happening with those students, student athletes who have tested positively for COVID-19. Now, as the schedule shifts and everybody's getting ready to move forward, how does this work for their upcoming opponents and how do they feel the schedule now that Michigan City is off their schedule for the next 14 days? Yeah, so I think the the biggest thing that I want to get out there to people, because there's been some uh, discussion about this I've seen on social media, and I uh, even get emails about it and things like that. Um, the ISCAA does not have a minimum requirement for games to be eligible for the postseason. Um, theoretically, you don't have to play any regular season games. You could just go straight to the state tournament. So that being said, of course, Valpo wants to try to find a game for tomorrow, um, Friday, the 11th, and then obviously uh, Maribel wants to find a game for uh, week five. Um, but you know, even if they don't, they should be fine as far as their, their preparation for the postseason. Um, that being said, um, it does kind of mess with, like, the DAC rankings in a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you can't really crown a, a champion of the conference if, you know, you're losing conference games like that. I think the biggest thing, in my opinion, is, like, the unofficial uh, championship, which will be Maryville and Valparaiso uh, at Maryville on October 2nd. Um, after last year's showdown where, where Valpo kind of squeezed out a win, um, I think everyone's kind of penciled or circled that date um, to, to basically decide who's the best team in the region. So, you know, even if a couple other games get moved around or, or cut or canceled, 
I believe as long as that one goes, then we'll be able to clearly tell who is the best program in the region. And um, you, can, you can bet that I'll be there, you know, if it goes on as planned. But it's tough. I mean, the operators have already missed one game this season in week two against Griffith. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is their second game they're probably going to miss in, in, in four weeks. So they've only got two games in in four weeks, which is not ideal. But, again, it's just a reflection of the times we're in. So let's talk about worst-case scenario. Let's say – this is something now that spreads to other teams and other players. You just mentioned that it is not necessary to play regular season, but how does this work? How would a system then look where you have schools that haven't had to play or have missed games? How do they go about putting this all together? Yeah, so the postseason always is always randomized in, in Indiana for football, and so they basically just have that selection Sunday where you get you know, the random draw and figure out who you're going to play for the postseason. But one thing I do want to point out is that, you know, in Michigan City's case, this is not the worst-case scenario. Um, the worst-case scenario will be that you have an outbreak during uh, postseason. And in that case, um, again, I've, I've been uh, in contact with the IHA, and they released this um, a while back in their COVID-19 guidelines. Basically, if you have an outbreak on your team, you're unable to play in the postseason, then at that point, the contest will be ruled as a no contest and the team you're supposed to play will just advance and your season is over. So that's the big fear. I think it's, you know, no one's really panicked now because again, it's a regular season and obviously it doesn't really matter when you're trying to, you know, I guess play for that state tournament run, but say a team, you know, is in a semi-state game and they can't play the semi-state game because they have an outbreak. That other team would just advance to state, Mm -hmm. you know, without even playing for it which I'm not totally against. I'm not totally for it either. It's just one of those weird things where, you know, you kind of hope that this isn't uh, what happens down the line, but it very well could. Another thing I'd like to think about is, you know, not, not to be all doom and gloom, but it's like, you know, what if you have two teams getting ready to play for state and then you have an outbreak? Then what, do you just crown a state champion, um, even though that team didn't play for it? Um, so it's, it's a lot of moving parts on that. Um, you know, side of things. And I definitely don't envy anyone at the ISA office who has to make some of these decisions. But I think now everyone's kind of okay with how things have gone. But I do think the noise would get a lot louder if teams had to basically uh, end their season and basically forfeit a game because they couldn't play because of COVID-19, which I'm not against, again. But it just shows you how fragile things are and, and, and how much more fragile they can be when you get to the playoffs. True. How is ISHA taking this? How are they going forward with these teams and trying to have student safety and coach safety and parent safety for those who are the spectators who come in? How are they going about handling the situation? Right. So obviously they they mandated some rules, you know, limited crowd sizes. Everyone has to wear a mask. Um, Even some of the things during the game for football have been changed, uh, you know, after some of the scores. The time in between the kickoffs is a little longer because, you know, you want to, I guess, set up and make sure that teams have enough uh, time to, you know, uh, get their different personnel on the field and still social distance. Um, I have to read through those rules again. But there's a little, like, tweaks here and there in the game to kind of limit contact when they're not in the live, you know, live action of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, no pregame handshakes, no postgame handshakes, things like that. And then on top of that, you know, I think with the IHSA, they've kind of basically left it up to – well, I know they, 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 they've left it up to the school and the county to decide if you can play. I know I ran a story 
um, last Friday about Calumet players hosting a rally, um, trying to get their season started. But right now, it's not looking good for them. They're they're, they're going to miss week. Uh, you know, they're going to miss this week and next week as well. Um, because even if you know you start up your season, you still have to get ten practices in before you can play. Um, even for Michigan City, in their case, after they've already started up, now they shut down for fourteen days. They have to get six practices in before they can play again. So the IHSA does have some rules in place. But um, it's basically a free-for-all in survival of the fittest, or I won't even say the fittest, just the luckiest. Um, I think that's, that's what it comes down to. Uh, it's, our, it's, it's tough that, you know, in Lake County you have Griffith, Hobart, you know, uh, Crown Point, and Andrean playing, and then, you know, Calumet can't play because their, 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 uh, their school administration basically said they couldn't. Um, I don't think it's unfair, really, because I, I, don't, I don't, you know, uh, again, envy anyone who has to make those decisions. But as a player, I can see how that would seem unfair. Um, but basically, from the IHSA standpoint, they're, they're, they basically come out and said, we're going to get through this season. And it's basically whoever can survive to the end uh, will be the ones playing for the hardware. Wow. It is so amazing at how quickly things have changed and how we've gotten to this point. But, James, let me ask you, how are the players and the coaches responding to this news in Michigan City? What are they saying at this point? Um, I haven't talked to many coaches about it. Obviously, they want to keep, uh, you know, these types of opinions or thoughts to themselves. But I think that um, one thing I can uh, kind of attest to is the emphasis on making good decisions. Um, for example, after I've been at uh, every memorable game so far this season, uh, uh, I guess uh, not breaking news, but a little tip for you guys. I won't be at a memorable game this week. I'll be heading to North Newton to watch them play Kankakee Valley. But um, after every game, uh, head coach Brad Cease over at Merrillville he gives his players a speech telling them, like, hey, we made it through another week, but make sure when you leave here, you make good decisions. You go home. You know, you stay socially distant. You don't do the normal things you would do on a Friday night or the weekend, you know, after a big win because you don't, you know, obviously it, it's not your fault if you contract COVID-19, but it can be looked at that way if you don't make the proper decisions to try to keep yourself as safe as possible. Now, if you get it and you've done everything you were supposed to do, then that's just life, and you got to kind of you know charge it to the game, as I like to say. But you know, if you make a, a careless decision and go to a party or a bonfire or something like that and jeopardize your season, then um, you know you, you don't want to be that person, basically. So he's been putting a heavy emphasis on that. I know that other coaches have as well, and not only in football, but all sports that are going on right now. I've asked the coaches, I've asked the players this as well, and they've told me like, hey, yeah, it's a little weird that you know I can't hang out as much as I used to and can't go you know, to Smoothie King or I can't go to the movies with my yeah. friends and things like that. But no one wants to be the person that, you know, basically ruins the, the season. Mm -hmm. it, it is so, it, I don't know how you keep young people engaged and involved and then keep them safe at the same time. I don't right. know what they're thinking. If you've talked to players and then you've talked to those in the region, how are young people, how are the players actually feeling right now? What is it their what is their concern? Are they anxious? What is it that they're feeling at this moment as players getting ready for the season and going into the season? I think that, that one, there was a, an extreme amount of gratitude and understanding. I think we uh kind of discredit uh, uh the youth in a sense that they might not take uh these things serious. But from all the athletes that I've talked to, um, granted, they would be really good liars if, if I didn't know that they were lying to me. But I, I, although I don't think they're lying to me, but I, I think that 
there's a heavy emphasis on just gratitude and being thankful to play those that are playing, of course. Um, and I've talked to mainly, um, I've been doing a couple of feature stories here on the side, um, for girls soccer and, um, girls golf and, and doing little football features here and there. And I've tried, you know, occasionally to seek out a senior if they're having a really good year. Um, maybe not be, might not be the best player on the team, but if they're, you know, a leader or one of the better players, even if they are the best player, I'll reach out to them and ask them, you know, and one of the questions I have, you know, here on my, my the notes, notes app on my phone that I always ask the players is, you know, what does this senior year mean to you? Mm-hmm. You know, normally that's a question you ask every year and they're going to give you an answer like, oh, you know, it's my last run and, you know, with all my friends and this is the last time I'll probably play this sport ever, blah, blah, blah. And, but this year there's, there's more, I think, authenticity um, to it just because there's this uncertainty looming over their season. Knowing that at any moment your game could be your last, so um, I've talked to them. And I think they really bought into whatever the coaches are telling them to stay safe and to make good decisions. And you know, I, honestly, uh, I'm proud of them. I think that the players really are the reason, um, you know, that we can continue so far. Um, granted, you, you know, you, you tell your, your players to do good things. Coaches will get a lot of credit to them as well, and administrators for you know implementing uh, safety protocols for COVID-19. But at the end of the day, you can't see your players 100% of the time. You can't see them when they leave the field or when they leave school. So for the players to be making good decisions so far, I think uh, that's commendable. As always in Boyd's Noise, we have segments and we have times for the listeners to get on board with what's going on. And for those who, again, don't think that everything's being covered, we know one person who's covering everything (laughs) as far as the prep sports go in the region, and that is James Boyd. So in this segment, we call it The Wrap. And in The Wrap, we talk about what's going on in the past week as far as prep sports goes, and with this being a tremendously different experience than we've ever experienced before in prep sports james walk us through the week and walk us through what's happening around the region in prep sports yeah one thing i definitely want to point out is that the game i covered last week was, was merrillville and crown point at merrillville merrillville is now three and on the season they're looking like in my opinion the best team in the region i know people will tell me all oh, about Parazo, but i kind of gave a uh, merrillville not just because frankly they, they played a one more game Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they look, they look fantastic. Uh, Marcus Hardy, who transferred from Morton to Maryville after Morton shut down their sports. Um, he caught two touchdown passes last Friday night. He's a stud. That mm-hmm. kid is really, really good. And they're loaded. I think that, and I might have said this before, but the only thing that I think that can hold Maryville back from potentially making a really good uh, or having a really good shot at going to state is their discipline. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, they got, I think last week they got about 95 yards and like nine penalties or something like that. Mm. Um, which was not good. And no. for a while there, the game was super stagnant. But they have all the talent that you need to be a special program. Mm. And I think some of that, too, though, is just not being able to practice over the summer and, uh, you know, have that normal, uh, uh, you know, preseason routine. Mm. But if they can get their discipline together, they're a team to be reckoned with. And obviously, Valparaiso won last week. Uh, Chesterton got their first one of the week, uh, first one of the season over Michigan City. Uh, who, we, who we talked about has been shut down. And um, there's other programs playing well. Like I said, I'm going to see Kentucky Valley um, on Friday, and they're 3-0 for the first time in, I want to say, maybe five or six years. Mm-hmm. Well, I might be longer than that. Um, so there's a lot of good football being played. And then, um, you know, on the other side of things, like I said, I've been keeping up with some uh, girls' soccer things, and I'll give you, I guess, the scoop here. But 
Uh, I have a story coming out, and I, I want to say tomorrow about uh, Hannah Central uh, forward Savannah Perry. She's on pace to break her program record in goals. She's got 75 as of today. They do play today, later on today, but she has 75 goals in her career. Mm-hmm. Um, and, she, you know, the record is 91. Okay. And she's uh, she scored 20 goals, I believe, in like five games this year um, so far. So she's uh, yeah, she's been on fire. And the great thing about it is she tore her ACL last year and worked her way all the way back this year um, to, to, you know, be in this position. So, mm-hmm. again, you ask her, what does the senior year mean to you? She's like, man, you know, I tore my ACL, you know, eight games into my junior year last year and didn't think I'd, you know, be able to get back to this point. And then a pandemic hits on top of that. So for her, it's like it really means a lot that they've had a chance to compete because she had a shot at this record and she could play with her younger sister for their, their one year together. So, uh, Skylar Ferry is a freshman. Okay. Um, so that should be a really cool uh, story. But, yeah, I mean, we obviously got some big got a big meet coming up uh, across country, I know, with some of the, the, the heavy hitters like Lucas Guerrero from Highland and Bailey Ronter from Chesterton uh, on the girls' side. And, you know, I, I'm not on the cross-country beat this year, but I definitely try to pay attention as much as I can to some of those uh, region runners because uh, they're working hard as well. And, you know, I don't cover it all, but I try to read as much as I can, even if I don't write about it myself, mm-hmm. just to make sure um, you know I know what's going on. And to basically just to show love to the region athletes. Yeah, it is. And this is something that is tremendous. But when you've got athletes who are able to battle back from a severe injury and come back and have a banner year or be a record-setting year, I think that speaks to the level of players that are there. And it speaks to their commitment to the sport and really them being able to play and and focus in. But I want to go back for just a second, if you would. When we talk about Maryville and we talked about their discipline, what is it specifically that you see they need to work on to get them to that next level? They're already one of the top teams. They're at the higher echelon. But what is it that they need to get to the, that level where they're the best in the state? Yeah, I think, you know, one of the things I saw, a couple false starts, um, just like, you know, mental lapses. Mm-hmm. Um, and also I saw like a, you know, one of those, uh, I saw a kid kind of flip a kid for no reason on our kickoff return. Um, obviously you can imagine the Maryville coaching staff wasn't happy about that. And this is not an indictment of the kid by any means. I mean, no. we've all had moments where we might have done something out of character. And again, it wasn't like he was ejected or anything like that. It was just a penalty. Mm-hmm. But it's like, why do that? Why do that? You know, you're winning the game. Um, you, the game's in hand. Just do what's been working. And I think that when they don't get, like, the big play mm-hmm. all the time, and if they, have to, you know, if they have to grind it out, get those six, seven-yard run, things like that, they'll have a lap here or there or a couple of lapses in a row where the, their offense kind of stalls out. And, and even defensively, they'll have a – you know, a big stop, but then you'll see like a, you know, a late hit penalty or, you know, a face mask or something like that mm-hmm. where, you know, it's, it's uncalled for. But I do think that, you know, like I said, they have the talent, they have the, the, the so they have the things you can't teach. And I do think they have the right guys to teach them the things that they need to learn a little bit better. I believe that coaching staff is great. Um, and again, this is a team that made it to semi state last year. Um, and obviously wants to take that next step this year and get to Lucas Oil Stadium. Um, but, I mean, they are loaded. They have guys who are going to play in college, um, going to play high major college football. I mean, Jojo Johnson, I know we talked about him a couple of weeks already. Um, he recently, I want to say yesterday, got off of Michigan State in football. Um, mind you, he's committed to Cincinnati, but right. um, 
in the recruiting world, once a kid commits, um, it's almost like other schools realize, okay, well, he might be legit, Dan. We got to take a look at him as well. Because mm-hmm. since then, he's picked up an offer from, like I said, Michigan State and Purdue. Mm. So, um, you know, he's got two Big Ten offers on on his table. He also got, you know, Washington State with an offer, and I think San Diego State as well. So he's got some powerful offers on the table, and, um, you know, that's a kid that's, that's, that's a stud. So Maryville has all the talent in the world, and I think that, you know, next comes just the discipline to be the best all the time. Bring the noise! You know what we do all the time. We always talk about the student athlete, that scholar, that person who brings it on the field, off the field, in the classroom, anywhere they are. So, James, let's go over who are your outstanding student athletes of the week. I will go with, uh, for the male student athlete of the week, I'll go with Chesterton sophomore Matt Marmaleo. I hope I'm saying that last name right. Um, he scored on a penalty kick. Uh, yesterday to help Chesterton remain undefeated uh, in the DAC. Um, for those of you who don't know, Chesterton is one of the best programs in the state. They won a state title in 2018, I believe, or might have finished as a runner-up. Um, but they're, uh, they're a really good program. Um, and knocking off Crown Point yesterday was a, a big win for them just because Crown Point was right there. I mean, they won on, like I said, the, the Trojans won on PKs, and this is a kid who didn't know that he was going to play. Um, that came in because a lot of his teammates got injured and stepped up and, and made a made a made a play for to help them uh, secure the win. So big shout out to Matt Marmaleo from Chesterton. And then on the girls' side, kind of got lucky. I went and uh, covered uh, Lowell at Highland in girls' soccer on Tuesday, mm-hmm. and uh, Megan Shaw, senior forward for Highland, the career goals record mm-hmm. uh, while I was there. Mm-hmm. Um, she. Uh, now has 54 goals in her career, uh, passing up the, the previous mark of 53, and she had a hat trick um, on Tuesday to get the to get the record, which was awesome. I'm thinking, wow, what better way to, to get it? You know, she got it in a win, a 4-3 win, so you know, every goal from her. And on top of that, you did it at home. And on top of that, you got a hat trick to do it. So I talked to her, talked to her coach, and it was exciting, and I told her, you know, she's going to be famous for, for a couple of days, and uh, she smiled at that. But it was, uh, it was cool. It was one of those things where, you know, I, I knew she was having a really good season, but obviously I didn't expect her to get the record that day. I mean, you, you come in and thinking, oh, you know, I texted our, our photographer and told him, hey, you know, try to get a shot of this girl. She's their best player. And then, you know, thank God he got a shot of her because she turned into my story pretty quickly. You know, when you score three goals, become the uh, career goal leader at the school, um, the story pretty much writes itself. And at that point, all I have to do is just get some quotes, and uh, it, it was fun. It was very fun to be there and to uh, kind of see the excitement from her and her teammates knowing that she's, uh, you know, made her mark in history at Highland. So before we get ready to go, we always ask you, James, what are your final thoughts? What is it that you want to leave the listeners with that you want to just put in their mind or put in their ear so that later on they're thinking, you know what, I heard James Boyd say that. Yeah, so I do want to uh, mention that today is World Suicide Prevention Day, um, and I, I, I want to place a heavy emphasis on that and to basically uh, let people know that, you know, your, your life is worth living. Um, and for those of you who think you can't make it, I do, you know, you are worthy of that next day. You're worthy of that great life that, that you're um, going to have and that you will have. So I definitely want to, you know, just shed some light on that. I will say that I've uh, had... You know, family, uh, some, some close people to me, loved ones 
uh, deal with mental health, uh, you know, challenges and, 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 and thank God we were able to get, you know, some of them the help that they need so they can still be with here with us today. So I don't take any of that lightly and much as I love sports to me, you know, uh, sports, uh, are, uh, you know, don't really hold a candle to the people I love in, in that sense. So, uh, I definitely want to, you know, make sure that people out there know that help is available. And if you need it, um, please don't be afraid to seek that out, you know, to those around you, because sometimes, you know, you just never know. I know when it happened, uh, with my loved ones, we were all, we were all kind of blindsided, like, Hey, we had no idea you were feeling that way, but we were able to get them the help they needed. And like I said, thank God they're still here. I know that, um, Dak Prescott from the Dallas Cowboys uh, opened up about his uh, older brother uh, dying um, earlier in the summer by suicide um, and how that affected him. And one thing I want to say is that, uh, you know, he, he received some criticism for that um, by some people that I won't even give the, the luxury of saying their names uh, in the sports world. But I think that what he did was pretty brave because although he may have lost his brother, which is, you know, an irreplaceable void. Um, I think he might have helped a lot of people um, by just being open with what happened in his family because um, this is a very real thing. I think people kind of forget that mental health uh, is, is, is more prevalent or mental health issues are more prevalent than people think. And if you don't have a mental illness, um, anytime, you know, you're not feeling right, I just want people to know it's okay to tell people you're not feeling right. Um, for me, my mom does a great job asking me all the time how I'm doing. And, and, I, and quite honestly, she will literally... Uh, look at me and, and ask me and look me dead in my face and um you know basically wait for me to give her a real answer not the cliche oh i'm fine everything's going good like she'll really ask me how you're really doing and i think that uh that's invaluable and i will try to you know do that for those around me and try to pay it forward in that way and i want again those around everyone i know everyone listening to, to know that you know you matter uh you know your life is worth living and you know you can uh you can get through this true it is really something that interview with Dak Prescott when he talked about Jace Prescott and how the mental issues as he held it in from the illness his mother suffered, it really brings it all home and it brings it to you. It's a 180 when you look at the fact that you can be good one day, but then something causes you to go and and set you in a a mold of or a spiral in Mm -hmm. uh, mental health issues. So that is something I think that we really need to, especially during a COVID and and a pandemic era where people are not able to get out and socialize the way they were before. This is something now that really, especially for student athletes, this is something that needs to be monitored and we need to check on and have a better understanding and openness to it than we've had previously. Yeah, I mean, it's it to me. It, there is this this stigma around uh, athletes that you're not supposed to show any weakness. Right. And in a certain sense, when you're competing, yes, that is true. But at the same time, we're still human beings at the end of the day. And uh, one of the things I, I kind of tweeted about earlier was, you know, about some insensitive remarks I read about Dak Prescott. And you know, people were saying, "Oh, you're the leader of the, the Dallas Cowboys, and how could you?" come out and say you're depressed and that doesn't really sit right well, sit well with me. And I mean, if you ask Dak Prescott right now, which one he'd rather have, Super Bowl or his brother, Jay, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm willing to bet that he'd say he wanted his, he wants his brother back. Right. So um, I just want you to keep that in perspective. Like, yes, we think that LeBron James, Serena Williams, and all these great athletes are superheroes, but they're not. They're mm-hmm. people. They have problems. And no amount of money in the world can – you know, uh, basically buy your way out of depression or buy your way out of a, you know, a mental illness the way you're feeling it. And like you said, 
when life alters, when you go through a life-changing moment or, or tragedy, um, that can affect you. And it's okay that it does affect you, but I want people to know that it's also okay to, you know, uh, basically voice your opinion and get your voice out there. I know that Dak talked about how his brother never really opened up. In no way am I blaming his brother at all, but it just lets you know that, you know, for those of us who haven't had to deal with a tragedy like that, um, maybe we should, you know, uh, get those around us who maybe not are, aren't as open to talk a little more and to, and to be patient with them and to reach out to them and to really check in with them and be more intentional. Um, speaking of my personal experience, uh, it's definitely helped me and my family, my loved ones, to be more intentional. And I think that for me, uh, I, I don't save any words anymore. Uh, I tell you I love them. And I, and I ask them how they're doing every day to make sure that they're really okay. And, you know, every now and then they might get annoyed with me. Oh, this guy's always checking on me. But, hey, I'd rather you be annoyed with love than, than to think that I'm not, you know, there for you. Right, right. And that's a wonderful sentiment to leave with the listeners, that if we share love and openly communicate with our loved ones, then maybe we can help to attack this issue of mental health. Uh, issues that some of our loved ones and athletes around the world are feeling and maybe correct it and hopefully be able to work together as a group and as a unit, as a community to bring some type of closure or some type of help to those who need it. So you know what this is. This is Boyd's Noise here on Iron Skillet Radio, Iron Skillet Television, and we're getting ready to get out of here. But before we go, let me ask you this, James. Is there a story that you want the people to look out for that's coming up this week? Um, I, I, I do want you to look out for, I've got to set up the interviews, actually. So here's another uh, tip for you all, but I'm doing a story on uh, the Whiting football coach, Brett Jennings. He's been calling football games on Friday nights uh, because his school has been shut down and hasn't, hasn't been allowed to play this year. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to check in with him. And uh, basically do, do a story on how he's kind of, you know, found a way to still be around the game he loves, even though his team can't play. He's a really great guy, uh, stand-up individual, and somebody who's uh, supported me from day one in the region. Um, not to say that I, you know, uh, I guess, you know, write about people that don't that only love me or appreciate me or show them love, but, you know, um, for a guy as is, is, is solid as him, I think it's only right that I try to highlight what he's doing, um, you know, to stay around the game and to continue to just, put a positive spin on other lives, unfortunate situation over at Whiting. Uh, that's going to be an excellent story. I think everybody should be looking forward to that. And we want to thank you. And this is Boyd's Noise here on Iron Skillet Radio, Iron Skillet Television. I'm your host again, Gregory Lewis. He's James Boyd. And we will see you next time around. Bring the noise! Make sure that you follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Iron Skillet Sports. And remember to like, share, and subscribe to Iron Skillet Sports on YouTube at Iron Skillet Sports. Look, man, I need a place to stay, Jay. Look, let me tell you something. <laughs> <laughs> Caught me off guard, you know. <laughs> okay, let's try this again, my friend. I was about to say, if all your money's spent and you can't pay the rent, <laughs> then you don't, don't call. But if you got an extra change and you need a place to stay, <laughs> you know, get right around the way. You know what I'm saying? Get on, here. Get on over here to Dodge Thomas over here. <sighs> Because right. I don't know the number, man. You got to say the number. I don't know the number. Need a place to stay? Call Diana Thomas at 219-230-3352. That's Diana Thomas, 219-230-3352. 20 years, man, in the business of written apartments. She must know what she's doing because she got me in mind. Y'all need to give her a call, baby. Hey, if y'all need a place to stay, she's the one to make it happen. That's 219-230-3352.
CNA Auto Repair and Towing, 93 East Main Street, Chicago Heights, Illinois. Open Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5.30 p.m. Saturdays, 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. Call 708-758-2855. Complete auto and collision repair at CNA Auto.